Hello, hello. Welcome to Series 2 of Satisfied. The Series 2 podcasts relate to the Live Out His Love and Satisfied by His Love Bible studies. I'm Melanie Newton, just an ordinary woman who loves the Lord and His Word. I'm so glad you've joined me for this series of podcasts. Together, we will experience how Jesus satisfies our hearts with many good things that come from the goodness of His love. Today, we will look at how Jesus satisfies your heart with victory. Who doesn't like victory? Our example is in Lesson 3 of Live Out His Love. In John chapter 8, Jesus took notice of a woman who was bait in a trap meant to turn the crowds against Jesus. Why and how she became the bait, we don't know. Someone squealed on her adulterous relationship and caught her during the secret rendezvous. You saw that in your lesson. We don't know her name, but I call her Ada to make her seem more real to me, not just words on a page. When I get to heaven, she'll be there. I'll find out her real name then. Ada had a problem. She was sleeping with a man who was not her husband. The Bible calls that adultery. Adultery is voluntary sexual intercourse between a married person and a person who is not his or her spouse. Apparently, Ada's behavior was ongoing enough that others knew when and where she would be doing it. Adultery was not only against the Jewish law, it was also against God's law. It was considered sin in Jesus' day. It is still sin today. Sin is ugly in God's eyes. But praise God that through faith in Jesus Christ, you can have victory over any sin. The Bible calls sin a work of the flesh. The flesh. Sounds like the title of a sci-fi movie, doesn't it? The blob, the thing, the flesh. What comes to mind when you hear the word flesh? Sex and sensuality? Maybe bulging hips and thighs? Okay, I'm not talking about muscles and fat. I'm talking about something deeper that is an enemy to every Christian. What is the flesh? The flesh is hard to define. In essence, the flesh is the human being in rebellion against God, and that rebellion comes from that part of the soul where sin dwells. Dr. Charles Ryrie said, the flesh was the personality of a human controlled by sin and directed to selfish pursuits rather than the service of God. That's why some translations use the phrase sinful nature to describe the flesh. The flesh does not refer to our physical bodies. That's very important for you to grasp. God created this marvelous human body for us. The body is not evil in itself, but sin which indwells our humanity. That is the enemy. Since the time of Adam, every human has been born with a sinful nature. It's in our DNA somewhere. If I could bring in a surgeon to cut me open, find it and take it out, I would do that. Get it out of there. But we can't. It's with us until the day we die. We don't know what it is, but we know how the flesh works. 
it sends messages to the mind that are in conflict with the spirit. We know it's there and we can certainly see its fruit in human behavior. Jesus describes some of its fruit in Mark chapter 7 and Paul describes what living by the flesh looks like in Galatians chapter 5. The work of the flesh is obvious and it is ugly. At the end of the list, Paul basically says that if you look like that, you don't look like a child of God. The flesh is a pretty powerful force. Its driving force is self, self-effort, self-sufficiency, self-belief, and self-dependence. And it is at war with the Spirit of God within us. Okay, so why does the flesh still assault us? Why is it still with us? When we became Christians, didn't all those bad things go away? Aren't we new creations? Why do we still have to deal with this flesh battle? To understand why this war is going on inside, we need to understand what happens when we are saved. When Adam chose to sin against God, he left a legacy to every one of us who have descended from him, a sin-driven nature and an empty, lifeless spirit. When we trust in Christ as our Savior, we get forgiveness for our sin, plus lots of other wonderful treasures. We also get new life as the Holy Spirit comes to live inside our once dead spirits to make us spiritually alive. Our human spirit communicates with the Holy Spirit. We have direct access to God who is our Father. We are made into a new creation spiritually. For believers, this is done in the past when we first believed. And when Jesus returns or we go to heaven to be with him, we'll get new bodies without that sin DNA in it. The flesh will be gone, no more sinful impulses, yes. Until that time when we get new bodies, we live in an overlapping age. We possess the life of the new creation through the Holy Spirit in us while still living in bodies of the old fallen creation in a fallen evil world. At that moment of salvation, we are born again of the Spirit, but our bodies are not born again. And our souls, that is the mind, emotions, and will, those are not instantly transformed. We still have the old thinking patterns, the old memories, and the old habits. We still live in a world that stands opposed to the truth of God. We still tend to believe and practice error until our minds have been renewed by truth from God's word. And the flesh continues to assault us. The New Testament teaches us some truths about the flesh that we must know to have victory over it. Truth number one, the desires of the flesh won't go away. We have the choice to gratify them or not to gratify them, but they don't go away. Truth number two, the flesh does not improve over time. It does not become godly over time. Bummer. Truth number three, the flesh won't leave us alone to be spiritual. In fact, Romans chapter six describes the flesh as a slave master that keeps calling our names to make us obey it. Truth number four, the flesh wants control. There will be continual conflict 
Romans chapter 7 describes the persistent nature of the flesh to concentrate on self. This is the universal experience of people who sincerely try to live a good life. Even after you are saved, you can never be good on your own, all the time, every day, 24-7. Can't be done. Truth number five, the flesh doesn't become less able to be tempted over time. Whether or not we are presently tempted in a given area, we are capable of committing any sin mentioned in the New Testament, given the right set of circumstances, time, and temptation. Truth number six, the flesh uses a consistent pattern. The flesh sends a thought to your mind, leading to familiarity with that thought. Continued pondering leads to a loss of repugnance and eventually leads to curiosity. That leads to a desire to experiment with an activity. Having tried the activity, the flesh, like a goat, can learn to like it and even grow dependent on any sensual stimulus, hooked. The most damaging or dangerous thoughts are the ones that blindside you with a desire you didn't even know you were capable of having. So protect yourself at all times through praying, Lord, protect me from myself. And victory comes through dependence on the Spirit of God to overcome the desires of the flesh. That's called living by the Spirit or walking by the Spirit. It is dependence on the Spirit of God to empower you to say no to the flesh and say yes to obedience to God. The blood of Jesus paid your freedom price so you no longer have to obey the flesh. The Bible calls that redemption. When God redeemed you, you became the possession of a loving, merciful God, and you can live in the security of your freedom from bondage to the flesh. And here's the best part. You have a new master with greater power than the flesh living inside of you now, the Spirit of God Himself. He can give you freedom from any entrapping sin. We are not left helpless like a pawn in the midst of the conflict. We have God's empowering presence in us. He is able to give you and me victory in our battle over sin. Listen to these words from Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Spirit teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Paul also writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desire of the flesh. Notice what this verse does not say. It does not say, if you clean up the flesh, you will become spiritual. Legalistic rules don't work. The verse also does not say that the desires of the flesh will go away. As long as we live in these unredeemed bodies, sin remains a source of temptation in us. We must make the choice 
every single day, whether to gratify the desires of the flesh or choose to live by the Spirit. To live by the Spirit is living in dependence on the Spirit to help you follow through with that choice. Paul writes in Romans chapter 13 not to even think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Don't even go there. So here's the bottom line. We never outgrow our need to depend 100% on Jesus Christ. Recognizing this should lead us to have compassion on one another and to not take risks with sinful behavior. Seek to depend on Christ more in your life than on yourself. Admit your weaknesses and trust Him to work there. Ask the Lord to protect you from yourself. In real life, I am trusting Christ with some aspects of my life while living in self-sufficiency in other areas of my life. You do that too. As we learn more, we trust Him with more of our daily lives. It's okay to say, Lord, I can't do this on my own, but you can do this in me and through me. Then watch what He does. We have this conflict within us until we die, but we have God Himself within us to give us the victory over the flesh. Dear listener, your God created you with a spiritual thirst to know Him. Another human cannot satisfy that thirst. Only God can satisfy the thirsty heart. The victory over the flesh that you receive by faith in Jesus satisfies your thirst for love and acceptance. This love from God is what motivates you to live a life that pleases God. As the Bible promises in Psalm 107, He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. A satisfied heart seeks victory over the desires of the flesh, knowing that they are in conflict with God's goodness in your life. Let Jesus satisfy your heart with the goodness of His love, then live out that love. Until next time, I'm Melanie Newton, hoping you will join me in being satisfied by His love.